0: Good evening and welcome to our final service of 2023. It's good to be here in God's house to worship and to praise our glorious God. And as we do so, let's receive our call to worship. What's found from the book of Jude, the book of Jude reading from verses 20 to 23, where it says this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh before the presence of his glory with great joy. This is what we're about this evening, perseverance of the saints. It's been a long year, it's been a hard year, and yet God has sustained us. And so with those words from Jude ringing in our ears, let us take our hymn books this evening and let us raise our voices in song as we come to praise our great God, as we sing together hymn 132, hymn 132, wondrous King all-glorious, sovereign Lord victorious, oh receive our praise with favor. Let us stand and praise God as we sing hymn 132. Please remain standing and turn forward to hymn 419. Hymn 419, I need thee, precious Jesus, for I am full of sin. My soul is dark and guilty. My heart is dead within. Again, let us remain standing and sing hymn 419. be seated. Let us come now to God in prayer. Let us all pray. Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we Still our hearts and our minds as we come into your presence in this evening are. We do thank you for this day that you have blessed us with already, for the fellowship of the saints this morning, for even encouragements this afternoon. And now as we come again to bookend our Sabbath day together, worshiping and praising you, we pray that we would come in awe and adoration of the great God that you are. Even that what we were reminded this morning of, your son your only beloved Son, that Son who you sent to this earth to die on that cruel cross to take away the sins of us. Lord, we come in on and wander this evening, even at the end of a calendar year, and we can think of the many times that you have sustained and helped us thus far. And we ask, O Lord, even as we think upon next year and what it might hold, that we would not think upon it in earthly terms, but we would look for heaven and home, even as we've sung there this evening, that we would soon be with you in heaven. Lord, surely that is the desire of our hearts. That is the desire of those who believe in Christ. And yet you know us, O Lord. You know that while we walk along this pilgrim way that we sin, we transgress, we act and do things that are against your word and your law. And this evening, O Lord, we come and we confess afresh. We ask that you would forgive us for our sins, both in thought, word, and in deed. We pray, O Lord, that we would be more like Christ in these days. Even that would be sought off this morning and thinking upon looking compassionately at others. Lord, at times we are so caught up in ourselves and what we want and how things should be, how we would desire that we miss that compassioning look. And so we pray, O Lord, that you would forgive us for even that apathy at times that we have of knowing of a problem and, as it were, walking on past. We pray that we would be more like Christ, that we would not look upon the surface, but that we would look upon the problem and the person and that we would, in any way that we can, help and aid and be of a help to them in a time of need. Lord, we give you thanks for even the, the many people that have needed aid and help this past year and how many have rallied around and done the work of different things, even helping with meals and looking after children and praying and sending encouraging texts. Oh Lord, these things are, are a gift, and we pray that in these days that we would see our gift and that we would use it, that we would equip and help those around us and be that encouragement That we ought to be. And Lord, this evening we we thank you for the encouragement of many of our missionaries. Even this last year with the various reports and being able to uh, stream with them on, on a Wednesday night at prayer meeting, and we see that indeed your church is growing. It's marching forward. And indeed it reminds us that we, those of us who are here holding the ropes, must be much in prayer for those who are on the front line. Lord, this evening we pray for the Davises in South Africa. We pray this evening for their health. We ask, O Lord, that you would help them in this regard. You know that they are dealing with illness and sickness, and so we pray that you would bring them back to a measure of health and strength, that they can continue on that much-needed work of Bible Translation Fellowship. We pray again for those in Papua New Guinea who do the same, and We ask, O Lord, that your word would be translated into many languages. Even as we'll think of tonight, that great treasure. May it be that that would be given to many across this world that they could read in their own tongues, a few. We pray for those in North or South Korea, O Lord. We ask that you would be near to them and help them. We pray for Sam and TK. We ask that you would uh, bring in the necessary uh, finances that are required to continue this work. And we pray, O Lord, that you would give these men and Pastor Park much wisdom in the year to come. Even as they look at changing their constitution and uh, the different things that come along with that, O Lord, we pray that the church would be united, that it would grow and that it would flourish even in these days through these men's ministries. Help them as they go to their colleges and their schooling to learn the languages and grow in more educational things, we ask, O Lord, that you would give them time for that. We pray, O Lord, that you would give them time with their families, give them time with their wives and their children. And may it be, O Lord, that they would know your help and your presence in these days. We do pray for our own congregation this evening. We think of those even in days past who have gone through operations and This evening, we do pray for Brother Sean. We we thank you for him, for his encouragement he has to us. And we pray, O Lord, even for this operation on his neck, that it would be a success. We know he's in pain and at times unbearable. And so we pray that even this operation would come at a good time and that you would heal his body. And soon, O Lord, he'd be able to come again out to worship with us. Lord, we even think of the year coming and the many different things that will happen, weddings, births, and, O Lord, perhaps even funerals. We ask, O Lord, that you would enable and equip us for each of these circumstances, that you now would help us as God's people, as it were, to be girding ourselves up for the year to come. And may we do so with our eyes fixed upon you. May it be that we not do things on our own strength, but we do it solely for your honour and for your glory and through your strength. Lord, we pray for our evening hour of worship that you would meet with us. Encourage our hearts. Help us, O Lord, in these days to treasure your word. May it be that tonic to our soul, and may it be that we would treasure it above all that this world can offer. Lord, we ask that you would be near to us this evening hour, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Please take your Bibles and our consecutive readings to the book of Psalms again this evening. We're going to turn to Psalm 84. Psalm number 84, and we're going to take and read together the whole psalm. If you're able, please stand and let's read God's word together. To the choir master, according to the githith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy, To the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways. To Zion as they go through the valley of Baca they make it a place of springs the early rain also covers it with pools they go from strength to strength each one appears before God in Zion O Lord God of hosts hear my prayer give ear O God of Jacob behold our shield O God Look in the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. This is God's holy word. Please be seated. And as you do so, please turn with me again this evening to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We come to our penultimate study on this lengthy psalm. After tonight, we've got one more stanza to cover. Tonight, we're going to read together verses 161 through 168. Again, give careful attention to the word of God. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe. Of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law, nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you. Amen. This says God's word. In the old hymn, I Stand Amazed in the Presence. The first stanza in the first hymn begins with this I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. The chorus beautifully parallels and completes those words where it says, How marvelous, how wonderful. And my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. This evening as we conclude 2023, I ask you, do you know anything of this love of the Savior? If you were to have a few moments of reflection, could you see in the last 365 days, the love of God for you? Could you trace His hands through many different steps of your life as you've walked through each and individual day? Or, like so many, has the past year been a bit of a blur, both for the Christian and the non Christian? At times, our lives can get so busy, so fast, so skimming around from place to place that we lose sight of many things. One this evening could be the love of a Savior for you. Because that love that the Lord gives to those of us who were condemned and undeserving brothers and sisters this evening is amazing. It's marvelous. And as you sit here as God's people, it's a reality. It's a wonderful reality. And so perhaps as those thoughts have been stirred up in your, in your mind this evening, there is only one proper response to this love. It's to love him in return and to stand in awe of him. We began this morning thinking upon assurance. We began thinking upon the lack of assurance and where we can find it. We will not find it in and of ourselves. We will find it in Christ. And so as God's people this evening, as we open up this stanza together, I want you to remember of the love of God. The love of God for you. Because in it, this stanza shows us our response. It should show us that we as God's people should love our God and we should love his word. In verse 166 it says, I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. The love of God and the doing of God's people. We do not obey God to be accepted. We do not believe in a works religion because like I said this morning, our works are trash. We obey because we have been accepted. We do not obey to be loved. We obey because we are loved first. Genesis to Revelation and all the pages in between and throughout this, Psalm 119 reminds us that we love because he first loved you. Because that love, the love that John writes about in John 4, the love that we have here in Psalm 119, it prepares us. It prepares us for the realities of life that we must be ready to face. At 12 o'clock tonight, when that second hand reaches 12 and we walk into a new year, are we ready? As God's people, are we ready to face the realities that are coming our way? Last year, we stood here and we said the same thing. And none of us had any idea what that year would bring forth. Pain. Suffering. Stress. And at times it seems like it's never ending. And yet this stanza tonight. Reminds us of the love of God. And the goodness of God. And the word of God. It reminds us here that the world can come at us from any which way and yet he does not move. He stands firm. He rejoices in the worth of God's word and repeatedly over and over again he praises God for his word. He finds direction. He finds hope. He finds salvation. Because, brothers and sisters, treasuring God's Word develops a stable life. We are not tossed about by every wind because we read the Word and it stabilizes us. The life that is determined to be constant in the Word is a life of stability. Not in you. Nothing in you but all of God. And so this evening, as we open up the stands, I want to do it under three headings. It's the constant heart, the constant life, and the constant keeper. You probably got the constant, so I'll say heart, life, and keeper, if you're taking notes. And so we begin with the constant heart, verses 161 to 163. This evening I ask you a question. Who calls the shots in your life? Who calls the shots in your life? For the psalmist, clearly in verse 161, it was not the rulers of this world. Even their persecution does not deter him from who he loves. God's word alone directs and helps him. As we read there in 161, Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. These princes hated him. They persecuted him. The psalmist writes, without a cause. No just cause was given. Princes are appointed to protect the innocent, are they not? To, to avenge the oppressed. And yet here, the psalmist is persecuted for absolutely no reason. But as he does so, as persecution comes across his way, his heart stands in awe of God's words. How could the writer stand up under such powerful pressure? How could he maintain his testimony when, when princes were persecuting him without a cross? That ever happened to you? You ever been falsely accused of something? Wrong things said against you that you know you're innocent of? Our hearts maybe doesn't do what the psalmist writes here. We don't stand in awe of God's word at times. We want vengeance. We want to go back against that person. But look what the psalmist does. He doesn't begin, as it were, to fight back or bite back. No, he stands in awe. This awe is because of the great and mighty God who brought him And the creation into being. It's the same one he will stand in awe against at that final day. That day of judgment. The psalmist is in awe of God in God's word. He's not in awe of anyone or anything else. The psalmist could have been rightly overcome with fear because these princes are coming at him. But yet he stands resolute. Luther puts it this way, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. In our day, and in our generation, princes and rulers and judges and different boards that we stand in front of may persecute us without a cause. They may ridicule us. They may slander us. They may say all types of evil against us. What are we to do? Read the Word of God. Stand in awe of God and His Word. The days are coming. In fact, they're here when preaching and teaching the truth will put us in jail. We speak out against all the different acronyms that are out there. LGBTQ. There are many more. We speak against gay marriage. We speak against abortion. We speak even against false teachers in our day. And we will be persecuted. What will we do? Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. We need to stand firm in these days, brothers and sisters, and stand in awe. Stand in awe of our great and glorious God. Because when these princes do come to persecute us, We won't be able to stand ourselves. We will need that which Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had in that fiery furnace. We will need Christ with us as we walk through those trials. And so even in this first first verse that we've looked at, may the word of God and, and, and God himself continually hold supreme power over our hearts above all else. No matter what may come. Because that word that he stood in awe of, in 162 he says, I rejoice at your one like one who finds great spoil." Awe oh, of the word of God promotes rejoicing in that word. The psalmist rejoices because he found God's word to be that great treasure or that much spoil. These words together are something like we can, we can have in our day in our minds of those pirates of old when they plundered and they got all the silver and gold. And even Disney, as we watch it and we see those movies, we see the smiles on their faces. And yet that's things of this world. How much more the things of God. When he finds great treasures in the God's word, it fills him with joy. He rejoices at the very word of God. It's much better than any booty from any battle. It's much better than anything that this world has to offer. That which is on your lap is the great treasure. I ask you, as I've asked you many, many times, do you, re- do you rejoice at God's word as one who has found great treasure Do I? Do I look at the Word of God as one who has found great treasure? Tomorrow morning, as you wake up, some may be a little blurry eyed if we stay up to 12. Those of us who are older, no chance of making that. I've already celebrated it in the UK. It's done, eight hours ahead. But tomorrow morning as you wake to a new year, aren't we all full of that resolution of we're going to read the word of God more? Let's be honest, I've downloaded an app on my phone, I have Spotify that someone's going to read it as I drive in my car and we're all girded up to read the word more. And we think about it today as that great treasure. Something that we're really going to enjoy. I'd like to ask you again come mid-February or March as you begin to delve into the book of Leviticus how that treasure is in your heart. Some tick the box to say they've done it. Will there be a few missing ticks come that month? For some, the only time that we open up the Word of God is here. For some, even on a Sunday morning, the question is, where are my shoes and where is my Bible? It should not be. This is a great treasure. One that we should behold with awe and wonder. That is why, brothers and sisters, we need to pray for the many organizations who translate this word. I went to my shelf in my study and counted seven Bibles. Seven. There are some people in this world who don't even have one. Others would long tomorrow morning to be able to grab that Bible and to open their eyes and to read it. We as the saints of God need to pray, Lord, keep your word near to me. Let me read it with fresh eyes each morning. Cry out to God that our sinful hearts, we can become familiar with these things. But yet it should come with that freshness and that awe and we should rejoice each time we read it. I'm not standing here like a saint saying that each time I open up the word that I'm jumping up and down rejoicing. But yet it should have that sense within us. We should take the word as someone who has found that great, great treasure should live our lives according to it. He goes on in 163, as it were, to flip the coin. And he says, I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. This verse is one that in our day people would not want read. It has the word hate in it. In the days we live in, that's a word that you're not allowed to say. We say it. I hate and abhor falsehood. What is falsehood? Well, if you Google it, it will tell you that's a, a fib or a lie or an untruth referring to to something untrue or incorrect. A falsehood is a statement that distorts or suppresses the truth in order to deceive. He hates lies. He abhors lies. Why? Because he loves the law. He has found absolute truth and will no longer accommodate the deceptions of man. And this love comes because God, in and of himself, is true. And He is making us, His children, true also. We this evening should be hating and abhorring lies. We say it to our children, do we not, all the time? Don't tell lies. Do we ever say it to ourselves? It's coming to that time of year again when we can lie to the government. When it comes to filling out our taxes and we can fudge them to get some more money back, what will we do? When your parents ask, did you do what was asked of you? Will you be honest in telling the truth? Or will you tell lies? Will you abhor falsehood and tell the truth, even though it may expose more? This morning, at, before we began All Age Sunday School, I read Psalm 139 last night. Grandpa was doing the catechism around the dinner table. Those little ears were listening. And the question went forth Where is God? When it comes to filling out that tax form, God is everywhere. When it comes to telling your parents, did you do what was asked of you, God is there. When it comes to going into the cookie jar and picking out one and you take three, God is there. We need in our days to be people of honesty and integrity because God is everywhere. God knows our hearts. He knows our minds. We can fill each other. We can fill one another. We can deceive one another. We cannot deceive God. And so as you go next year to fill out your tax forms, remember this. Children, when your parents ask, what did you do? Remember this verse. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Because secondly, the psalmist goes on to speak of a a constant life. You see, such love for God's word, such love for God himself makes him worship. And it's not just once that he worships. The Bible here says seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous rules. Throughout the day, it's a poetic way of saying I praise you all the day long for who you are, God, for the word that you have given us, for the instructions contained in that word and the commands that guide and direct us. Praise is the psalmist's weapon here against his persecutors. Praise for the Lord's word, which he loves, and it fills his heart, and he rejoices. It's that song when he does wrong, and he is in awe of the law of God. He rejoices. He praises his God seven times. The Bible speaks of seven being that number of perfection. And Matthew Henry, in his commentator, commentator, commentary, it's a hard word to say, paraphrases this thought, perfectly or constantly, I praise you. Perfectly or constantly, I praise you. Why? Why? Why such an outpouring of devotion? Because of God's divine word that directs his actions. God is a good God. God is a faithful God. And God is worthy of our praise constantly, not just on a Sunday. Not just at 10.45 and 5 p.m. He's worthy of praise throughout the entire week. When last did we stop on a Wednesday or a Thursday to offer praise? When the week is difficult and we're tired. Did we stop and praise our God because of his righteous rules doesn't mean you stop working and you tell your boss, sorry, I need half an hour to praise God here. It's not what I'm saying. Praying to him. Meditating upon what you've read that morning. Muttering those words that you've read. Offering praise to our great God. Because 165 goes on to say, great peace have those who love your law nothing can make them stumble. The word of God brings great peace. That that meaning of, of wholeness and security, that which we thought of this morning that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God brings great peace. When you're walking through a storm and you're walking through a trial, What is it that that girds you up? It's the Word of God. It's someone sending you a scripture verse. It's someone sending you a little Instagram video that explains a portion of the Word of God and it reminds you of how great a God we serve. And it revives us. It brings us great Peace. Surely in our modern day, man longs for peace of mind. Well, here it is. Love the law. Brothers and sisters, we must trust in a sovereign God who gives us assurance. At times we can struggle, at times we can wonder. At times, even in the the midst of a trial, we may ask ourselves, God, where are you? He is right there. Right there in the eye of the storm. We must trust in him. We must lean heavily upon him. That we would have peace due to loving the law of God, that nothing can make us stumble. That word stumble in the Bible has, it's more than just, as it were, a child running along and tripping over their feet. In the Bible, that word stumble means disaster. Complete and utter ruin. The idea is that the the constant against temptation, the constant against trials and tribulations is what? To love God's law. As we come into a deep relationship with the Prince of Peace, so our peace grows. The more we read of the Word of God, the more our peace and our assurance grows within us. Because of Him. John 16, says, These things have I said to you that in me, not in you not in your spice or your future spice not even in your children not in anything else that this world has to offer that in me Jesus Christ you may have peace this evening i ask do you have this peace do you have this assurance are you being tossed about? Are you fearful? Are you worried? Then come to Christ. Run to him this evening. Do not delay that you too can have that peace that he is our God and the one who has saved us. Two men had been fishing one night And night began to fall. And as they headed back towards land that more experienced seaman, he got sleepy and he went to sleep. And he turned to helm over to his less experienced friend, shall we say? The veteran sealer pointed out the North Star. And he says, Follow the star. And keep the boat going in that direction. The inexperienced sailor hadn't been at the helm for too long when he too fell asleep. He was confused. He awoke startled. He was worried. He didn't know what to do and he shook his friend frantically. And he says, wake up and show me another star that I can follow it because I've lost the first one. That's us. When the disciples were in the garden and Jesus was about to take that cup and drink it, what did he command the disciples to do? Watch and pray. At times we can become sleepy. At times we can become haphazard in our Christian walk. At times we can become like that doubtering man and we fall asleep. And when the trials and the tribulations come, we awake completely confused, wondering what to do. This evening I urge us all, watch and pray. Many people today are looking for something new to guide their lives. They've lost that standard of God. They have lost what God, who God is and, and what he is about. They regard that treasure of a book of, his, of the Bible as that relic of old. That old fuddy-duddy book that's full of just laws and it's totally irrelevant to today. They've lost it. As it were, they've given up. God's standards are more constant than the North Star could ever be, more than, than the very laws of gravity themselves. They aren't laws like the traffic laws that we have, or even the laws in our land that tell us what side of the road to drive on. The violation of God's commands brings destruction. It brings chaos to society. Do we not see it in these days? But to observe his words brings comfort. It brings great peace. It brings the peace to those who love the law. Do you know this peace this evening? Do you know anything of the great peace? that the psalmist speaks of. It seems to me that the piece that we see in 165 and the following verse in 166 go hand in hand. God's word demonstrates a sense of hope in God's salvation which we find in that next verse. Great peace of those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord. And I do your commandments. God's help here is viewed as deliverance from great hazards and problems. It may here refer to that final salvation of heaven. And while we're on this earth, while we walk this pilgrim path, do we not want hope? Those who follow God's directions. Those who love the law experience that hope for the future. As you get older in your Christian walk, it's like that hill suddenly becomes very steep. And yet here, here is the hope. Here is that perseverance to the end the hope of salvation of our God. And as he observes God's commandments and our God's directions, he finds the hope of God's salvation, that deliverance, showing us that indeed God is true to his word. Because thirdly, we see the constant keeper The writer then said he observes God's testimonies out of his love for them in 167. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. And that repetition of terms keeps the beginning of verses 167 and 168. And it keeps them together. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love your precepts and your testimonies. I love them exceedingly for all my ways are before you. It repeats itself. Why? Because we leak. We're like a sieve. If I was to ask you to go back 16 months to when we first began this study and ask you for the three points, I wonder how many would remember I probably wouldn't, and I'm the one that preached it. But we leak, and we forget, and we stumble, and we, as it were, stagger our way through this earth. And so the psalmist in his goodness here, it's not like he has a stutter or he needs to, you know, get it out twice. He needs us to hear it twice. My soul keeps your testimonies I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. You see, the more that we see the great riches of the Word of God, the more our love for it will grow. This writer wants to please God by keeping and obeying his precepts. All his ways are before God. What is the motivation for keeping your testimonies, for loving them exceedingly, for keeping your precepts and your testimonies? Why? Because God sees him. And God knows him. And God walks with him. It all ends in that final few words. For all my ways are before you. All his ways. All his ways, all his walk, his life, his conduct, his thoughts, everything that he does is before God. Psalmist, here is that idea of total transparency before God. And here is that sense of accountability. But it's also that sense of God's guidance. When you're alone and the thoughts of sin come to your mind, when you open your laptop or your phone with the intentions to to study with great intentions, Or perhaps it's to read something on there and boom, in a moment, something flashes up or you go somewhere you shouldn't. You're looking at things that are not pleasing to God. You are not keeping his testimonies. You are certainly not loving them exceedingly and you are not keeping his precepts. Perhaps instead of opening up God's word, you're on eBay you're on Facebook Marketplace. You're on these various things and you're frivolousing away the time buying things that you have no need of. Where moth and rust destroy. Perhaps you click the old YouTube app and two hours are gone and you've went down that rabbit hole. Oh. Our ways are before God. Manton says it like this. You. If I had the time, I would name you all individually. Think of yourself. You are in the sight of God, whether you think it or not. But what a noble thing it is to always live In the sight of God, the prophet is exceedingly great. By conversing with God often, we become like him. You are in the sight of God, whether you think so or not. What a noble thing it is always to live in the sight of God. The prophet is exceedingly great. And by conversing with God, often we become like him. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies. Why? Because you are in the sight of a holy God. And so in closing, as we finish our year, What would you think of a person who possessed a priceless treasure but treated it as something of little or no value? That's the way many people treat the Word of God. They don't study it. They don't meditate on it. They spend but a few moments a day to hear what the Lord has to say to them. And oh, so quickly they move on. The psalmist here stood in awe of the word of God. That should be the same of us this evening. It certainly was the case with Job when he said in Job 23, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. When was the last time we went without bread and water to facilitate a time reading the Word of God? But how do we do any of this? How do you walk into next year in awe of the Word of God? It's through one person. And it's through one person alone. Verse 161 is a shadow of Christ. You see, you cannot do any of this on your own strength. You won't love God's word if you do not love him first. How do I know? Because I deceived my parents for years. I would turn the page of the Bible. I'd never read it. I would pretend that I did. Why? Because I didn't love God's word. Because I didn't love the one off the word. You cannot manufacture these things. It's not like tomorrow we get out our planner and suddenly our thoughts and intents change so much that By the end of the year, we've read it all. We cannot do these things ourselves. We do it with a love for the one who first loved us. Princes persecute me without a cause. But my heart stands in awe of your words. Remind you of a scene anywhere in the Bible. Bible. It should remind us of the palace of Pilate. Matthew twenty-seven, eleven through fourteen. When the princes persecuted the Prince of Peace without a cause. When Jesus was given over to them. When he was reviled, when they spat in his face, when they scourged his back, when they beat him. The Bible tells us he gave them no answer. Why? Why would he not? Because he stood in awe of the words of his father. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. All the way back in the first garden all the way back in the Garden of Eden when that promise was made bare to the world of Christ. And then we come forward to a different garden, to the Mount of Olives, where Christ went and he cried unto his Father, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, Your will be done. Princes persecuted me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. Brothers and sisters, the only way we can do this stanza and all the stanzas before is because of Christ. As we leave this evening, remember him. Remember him in your darkest days. Remember him in days when it seems there is no light. When it seems you walk this pilgrim path alone, remember him. Remember the good shepherd. The good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. This evening, if we are found in Christ, we are his sheep. We have a good shepherd. We have one who guides and directs us. We have one who enables and helps us. We have one who we can bring our cares and our concerns to. But we need to do it. We need to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk in these days. And so, brothers and sisters, the only way that we can do this is through his word and by the help of him that we too can say, as the psalmist says, princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those Who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation O Lord. And I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies. For all my ways. Are before you. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We ask, O Lord, that you would give us a greater desire to be in your word more often than we are. Lord, forgive us for the times when we merely open it and read it for the sake of doing so. Lord, may it be that as we open it, we would open that great treasure that wonderful spoil that you have given us. And may it be that as we read it, that we would rejoice. Lord, enable us even to be like the psalmist and to praise and worship you seven times a day. Surely this shows that you are first and foremost in our thoughts and in our actions. And, O Lord, remind us this evening that indeed you are before us that you know what we say and what we do. Lord, you know that we are tempted to sin at times and so we pray that you would enable and help us. Help us to love your law. Help us to love your precepts. Help us in these days to love your word. Lord, we pray for those who have No time for these things at all. Even some who have sat through a whole calendar year and know you not. Lord, we plead and we ask that you would save this very hour. Even before the clock would turn and we gain another year, may you save. We pray for our children. We ask, O Lord, that you would Show them their need of Christ in these days. And Lord, we pray that you would keep us safe even as we leave this hour, as we go to our homes. May those of us who know you as Lord and Savior know your presence even this week. And Lord, go before us and encourage our hearts. For we ask it in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Please turn one last time this year in your hymn books to hymn 258. 258, the Spirit breathes upon the Word and brings the truth to sight. Precepts and promises afford a sanctifying light. Let's stand and sing to God's praise, hymn 258. (laughs) Of God, receive the Lord's blessing and his benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
1: Amen. Go in the Lord's mercy and grace and have a wonderful and